Are we on the air? Recording. We are on the air. So do we want to introduce ourselves slash the podcast? Yes, I think that's a great idea. Um, what type of introduction about ourselves? Or are we just literally going to say our names? I think we could do either. I think we should definitely say our names. <laughs> we are two girls. It's not important what our names are. It's only important what we talk about. That's why we started the podcast, obviously. <laughs> and that's why it's called Hard Topics. Hard Topics. Hard to remember who I'm talking to most of the time because you never introduced yourself. <laughs> right. Oh, look at how silly we are behind the scenes. We're just two gals having a laugh. <laughs> but really, the what we show you is just serious stuff. So our podcast is called... Hard Topics. Hard Topics. It's an interesting name for a podcast, don't you think? Hard Topics. I think that one could put a profane spin on it. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. you could. I didn't think of that. So people could look I... at the title and think oh yeah hot topics okay i'm down with that i think it's actually a genius name for a podcast because it could go any way yeah it doesn't put us into too small of a box exactly like we haven't said kylie and christine a true crime podcast and then we have to stick to just that exactly it go anywhere we could okay i like that hot topics a multi-dimensional podcast with more, multiple genres and multiple content. Just pick whatever episode you like. <laughs> so do you um, have questions for today? I do. Do you have questions for today? I have a bunch of questions in front of me. I'm very excited to ask you some of them. Would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. But I, I also think we should maybe introduce ourselves. Well, I'm Christine, and the only thing that you need to know about me is that I like cults, apparently. <laughs> Gosh, amazing. Does, um, does your name have a... Sure, it does. Do you know what Christine means? It's like one with Christ or something like that. Oh, you are a leader of cults. I know. I am. Um, it makes sense. Cool. I'm Googling it. Are you, are you like an urban dictionary? I love urban dictionary. They have wonderful definitions for things. Follower um, of Christ. Follower of Christ. Often Lovely. associated with the meaning follower of Christ. Well, welcome, Christine. Thank you. I am Kylie. And today we're going to ask each other some questions. So I should have, so I kind of wrote a bunch of them down and I, I was going to order them in terms of like less severe, like more, you know, basic questions and like leading up to more. I guess, personal type questions, but I'm just going to pick one and, and go with it. So I guess my first question to you is, what is your everyday morning routine? Okay, good question. So my Mondays through Friday morning routine, my alarm goes off at 5.15. Cool. I get one snooze that lasts <laughs> nine minutes. It's very important. <laughs> okay. And you take it every day? I take it every day because I have my alarm perfectly timed. Right. So if I don't take the one snooze, it's okay. But if I go over the one snooze into two snoozes, we're late. So I got my one snooze 
Then I get up and I go work out. And then after my workout, I make coffee. I have breakfast. Normally it's some kind of shake, like a smoothie. Cool. Seems easy. Yes. And then I like, this is something that I've only recently adopted during um, COVID quarantine because I'm not rushing to go to the office, but I like to go outside and look at my garden and do some weeding Okay. and water my flowers and sort of mosey. And then at some point I will take a shower and go and sit in my office like around nine-ish. That sounds like a very good, very healthy morning routine. Very different to me. I, I can't get up before, I want to say before 10, but I could probably get up around nine if I really wanted to. I've never been uh, an, a nighttime person. I've always been more of a morning person. Like even when I was a teenager uh, and, and, you know, in high school, Yep. I, I had like a cutoff time for myself. So if I had like a lot of homework or a big assignment or paper or whatnot that I had to work on, yeah, I would not stay up. I think it was like 11 o'clock. Like I had to get my stuff done because I was going to bed. You are so studious. That's amazing. Not I think really. <laughs> you, get, tired. You, get of, you, you get those people that are so good at like, being regimented and sticking to it and waking up early and you get people that you know you know that that funny meme and it shows the two phones the one with like three alarms and the other one with like 15 different alarms because you just ignore all of them i'm definitely one of those people like the only thing that got me out of bed as a teenager was i was <laughs> i was given this like alarm that was um, created for boys it looked like a rugby ball and the alarm would go off and the, and the only way to shut off the alarm was if you like threw it super hard at a wall then it would turn off. I think it was like to try and get you to like, get out of bed and throw the alarm. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. It didn't work for me, but it's definitely, <laughs> definitely an interesting way to wake up every morning as a kid. That's funny, yeah. I have this conversation with my cousin fairly often, I would say. Um, and she's, she's like you, she, she's not a morning person and she does struggle to get up in the morning. And, you know, she, she always says like, you have such great motivation. Like I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. And that, but I don't believe that. Like I, the only reason why I'm regimented and why I only take the one snooze is because I have someplace to be. Ah, uh, there's, there's reason to get up and do this. Yeah. If I was not going, if I was not getting up and going to the gym, I would, yeah. I would have 15 times I would hit the snooze button. That makes sense. Otherwise, like you have purpose to get up. And I think yeah. that's for me as well. Cause before COVID I was getting up way earlier and doing a lot more before work. And then during COVID it was like, well, I can just roll out of bed and, you know, put on a Jersey on top of my pajamas and just, you know, go to my meeting and, then you kind of get into that pattern. So I, I get that. Very different, very, very different morning routines. But I had a feeling that yours would be, was it be like this? <laughs> it's because I'm in the cold. Yeah, it's definitely because of the cold. Okay. I have a, a I think a pretty decent mix of types of questions. So okay. I'm going to start with this one. 
If you could describe yourself in one word, what would that word be? Loud. <laughs> Very loud. And I don't know if that's because I'm losing my hearing because for many years I listened to music with earphones on the way to school because I didn't want to talk to people in the car. <laughs> or if I did, I, I was always talking very loud, but I've always been very loud. I still remember, I have, so I have this core group of friends who are not, they're, they're all in, introverts because they're, they're engineers. And, and every time I'm with them, they're like, maybe just use your inside voice today. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was being loud. Am I being loud? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just talking. Uh, but I don't think it's like if I describe myself as loud, it's not a negative. Oh, she's so loud. It's just, you can hear me. Good question. That was a good answer. I didn't, I think that's, I, I, I like that you were able to immediately answer it. Cause I, yeah. I think that I would be like, struggle. Do you, do you know what you describe yourself at, as in one word? No, because I was thinking about it after I, um, after I wrote down the question, I was like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't ask me something similar because I don't know <laughs> even, if, even if I did, I mean, I would just, that's, that's, I a bunch of things and I thought, okay, well, I'll just select a few because we probably won't get to all of them. No, I love answering, answering questions like that. So that in mind, do you have a favored or like sacred item of clothing or... If not, do you have an article of clothing that has an interesting story attached to it? So I think there are two things. One is this suede moto jacket that What's I a moto? bought. Like kind of like a motorcycle, like oh right, like, motorcycle. like moto jackets. Cool. But you don't not supposed to wear it on a motorcycle. It's like fat, you know, fashionable like big... function. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so I got this gray suede moto jacket last year or the year before. And I love it. It makes me feel really cool. <laughs> and I also get nervous wearing it because it's suede. And I'm, oh, I'm always convinced that when I like splurge on something that the first time I wear it, I'm going to spill something on it. It's going to be a sign that I shouldn't have bought it. Yeah. That has that not has happened. Okay. <laughs> that has happened before. That has happened before. But it did not happen with this jacket. Yeah, I really, really like that. I really like that jacket, but that's like my shallow answer. My non-shallow answer is I have my grandmother's fur coat. Ooh. I don't know how you feel about fur. If you're, if you're that's like, a hard uh, topic, isn't it? It is a hard topic, right? Yeah, my, my mom gave me my grandma's fur, and I, I, it needs work because, you know, very old. And it needs work, and I have not... I have not found someone to bring it to, to do the work so that I can actually wear it. What type of work does it need? Like the inside is ripped. Uh, okay, like stitching and stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the fur itself, my grandmother had a cedar closet in her basement. But uh, yeah, so she, she kept very good care of her things. So yeah, so it's just really the inside. So really I could wear it because it's not like the outside's damaged or anything like that. But I don't I don't necessarily have a lot of use cases <laughs> for wearing that. It doesn't um, don't have like an occasion to wear this jacket. Yeah, and I definitely don't have an occasion now. Well it's summer anyway, but 
Yeah, but I've had it for a few years and it just sort of sits in my closet and that makes me feel a little sad, but I also really, really love it. And it has, it's either her initials or her name is stitched on the inside. I just love like the old, like the way things used to be made, mm. handcrafted by these, you know, people. I just love that. So talented. You know, things aren't made like that anymore. I agree. Things were made to last back then, I think. Like, I remember yeah. my grandma always saying to me, it's very important to spend the good money on the good coat that's going to last a long time. <laughs> that isn't really fine at all because, you know, nothing nothing lasts uh, too long. Like, even your expensive iPhone's going to give in in a couple years. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to ask about this coat. Have you ever worn the coat and has someone, like, approached you and said, oh, is that real? Is it fake? Uh, no, I've actually never worn the coat. Ah, okay. I've never worn the coat, but I, I do actually have her, my grandmother's mother's mink stole, like the shawl thing. Oh, yeah? Same situation where the inside needs some work. Uh, and I have worn that, but but only like around family, so they already knew about it. They knew about it. <laughs> That's because I, you know, I feel I, I love it. Like same situation, it's super old. Like has the initials on the inside. Love that, and you know, it was my family, so that's special. But I also, I have felt in the past silly about wearing it somewhere. Right. Yeah, it looks a bit out of character for twenty twenty. I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I think you should. I think after quarantine. You should just wear it because well, when it's not summer, obviously, and just because why not? I mean, I love I love walking around and seeing people wear arbitrary clothing. Like I once saw this guy wear there were these very very luminescent socks that had like basically a lot of glitter on them, and he was wearing very short shorts, so the socks kind of came up just below his knee. It was very much like I'm wearing socks, please look at them. Type of thing. <laughs> I love, I love clothes like that. It makes it basically, it's almost, it's a piece of art, which is in the sense that it, it, you have a reaction to it in some way, even if, if that reaction is, I can't believe that lady's wearing a real fur coat. That's disgusting. You know, that's great. I like it. Causing right, a stir. I should just wear it. Right. I do like to cause a stir. I, just, <laughs> I should wear it. I also should take better care of it. Like I should really have it, have them both repaired and, make sure that I'm yeah. properly storing them so that I'm not doing damage. I mean, they've lasted so long. Put <laughs> it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Damn millennials don't know how to take care of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Good answers. I like it. I like that you had a, a sentimental answer and then you're like, what did you call it? Like a shallow. <laughs> yeah, my shallow anthropology jacket. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> okay if you won the lottery what's the first thing you would do i love this question so much because this is a question that i've actually spent time on <laughs> other people thinking about because i feel i feel like often this type of question these like what if scenario questions i love them because it, it it lets you really imagine your life in, in a different way and like winning the lottery is one of those things that's like indicative of it's going to be a massive life change right and you know thinking about what you could do with that so i have 
always been, and I think it's because of the way I was brought up, but I've always been very adamant that everything I have, I've worked for. Maybe not everything, obviously, but the more, the more, most of the things I, I have and most of the things I've done, I've kind of done because of my hard work or whatever, whatever the case has been. And when I think about the lottery, I think I see it as like dirty money, you know, it's like taking it because it's, I don't know how to equate this, but you know, when people go gambling, that like, that's, that's like dirty money to me. Like when you win at a casino, that money that you're taking is, is like, you're taking money from people that are really just trying to win that jackpot and similar thing with the lottery. And I've heard one or two stories in real life. And I guess in, um, in the cinema, they have movies about people that like bad things happen to them when they look, but they win the lottery, like they, they spend it all. And then they're in so much debt than when they even started or whatever the case was. So I'd like to think that if I did win the lottery, I would not maybe keep some of it. Maybe it's like unrealistic for me to say, Oh, I would get rid of all of it. I'm such a good Samaritan. So that's probably not realistic, but I would like to believe that I would use that money not for myself and just try and help other people. I'd also, um, wouldn't tell anyone that I, I won. I wouldn't mm. want to make public spectacle of myself because uh, I, I can see that becoming very, very toxic for any relationships and not like not intimate, like relationships, friendships, family, all, all that kind of thing. So, I mean, I know the the dream is, oh, I quit my job and I just travel the world, which I can't even do right now anyway. But um, yeah, I'd like to believe that I would, I wouldn't hold on to it. Or if I did, it would just be this big investment that I didn't really want to touch. I don't know. It's what I do. <laughs> That's a really, really selfless answer. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Mm, I mean, it's just in my mind that money is not my money, you know, and I, I'd mm. always know that. I'd, I'd see however much was in my bank account and I would know, I'd, I think, I feel like, I feel like a fraud because I'd know that I didn't, I didn't really do anything to qualify to earn that money. I was just, I don't know, lucky. And maybe it, it probably, look, it also probably depends on the amount. Like if I won a couple hundred thousand or, or just or a couple thousand, maybe it would be different. And I, I just spend it uh, on, on myself or something. But if it was, you know, winning the jackpot, and it was just that large sum of money I would feel I think I would feel very burdened actually because it's you know you 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 get this large sum of money and you think if I spend it on myself that is so selfish and like what good can come from that um then you think like oh but yeah it's 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 actually a really difficult thing to think about so I don't know I think that you know you see those shows those like reality shows of people that won the jackpots and they bought boats and houses and cars and all these ridiculous things. And then they're broke. Right. So I definitely don't think that that's the right. No, it's not right. Right. Like extreme consumerism is like not. That's like the worst you can do. The best thing you can do is get that money straight up when they send it to you is you do two things or actually three things. One is you don't tell anyone. Secondly, you get yourself a financial advisor. Right. And thirdly, you get yourself a psychologist because you need to be coached through this. Because I, I do think it's, I don't know how to say this. It, I think it's like traumatic and not necessarily bad traumatic, but traumatic in the sense that it's drastic life change. And I think dealing with that on your own is, you, you definitely need some advice from a healthcare professional, in my opinion. Well, I think that that's, 
That's interesting. I had not thought about that. The financial planner, definitely, because I do think that you should invest um, and then figure out how to deal just with, I mean, I've never had that kind of money, so I wouldn't even know what bank accounts and, but yeah, I mean, especially if you're not going to tell anybody, then that's a very isolating thing. You have this huge thing that happened to you that is impacting your life. And you don't really want to tell anybody, which I do agree with because then people come mm-hmm. from the woodworks, right? And then it's like this thing, well, you have money and, and you're not going to give it to me then. Or listen to order. <laughs> but I, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your long lost cousin's sister's best friend's that, neighbor. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you, would, you would need support. To go through that. You know. Well, while we're on the topic of what ifs, I I have a question, <laughs> and I think like you, it comes from you know I was I all thought about what my answer would be. But do you have a recurring dream or a recurring nightmare that you experience or or have experienced? Yes, actually. Awesome. What is it? <laughs> I don't often remember my dreams. I I remember like the weird ones, right? And I only remember bits and pieces of them, mostly because the next day I'm like, what? is wrong with you like what's going on in your subconscious that this came out um but no i have this this reoccurring i'm gonna call it a nightmare okay um it doesn't happen super often but it's happened enough where i know that it i've had it before do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um i'm in a car what okay it just was like you recognize the feeling or, or vision. Yes. Oh, I mean, okay, cool. Yes. I'm in a car. And when I first started having this, this dream slash nightmare, I had a white Ford Explorer. And so okay. that's how I, I haven't had this dream in a while, but I, this, that's how I remember it. That I'm in my white Ford Explorer, my 1998 white Ford Explorer. And I'm, I'm driving and I'm either in most situations I'm going in reverse and I can't break. <gasps> oh, and you're going fast? Are you speeding? I'm going fast and I cannot, my brakes do not work. I never crash. Like I don't, I don't get hurt. No one gets hurt, but it's that feeling of loss of control. Yeah. No control. And then that's scared. Like, Oh my God, I'm going to crash or I'm going to hurt somebody or hurt myself. Is that how the dream, like how does the dream end? Does the car stop or? No, know? it just kind of ends. Like, and that's really the only part of it that I ever remember. I don't remember anything else that goes on in, in the dream, what happens beforehand, if other people are there. So I, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes somebody else might be there in the car with me, but yeah. Someone you know. Yeah, someone I know. Okay. I did look it up once and it, and it said that when you have a dream where you are driving and your brakes fail, that it oh. is like you feel like you're out of control or you're not in control of your life. Wow. I mean, that makes sense to me. I've, I'm not a dream analyst, but analyst. Uh, but if I had to guess, I would say that it's loss of control. But it's interesting to me that you're driving in reverse. I feel... I don't mean, I don't know much about this, but that's an, that just the imagery of being in reverse is interesting. And I, 
yeah, I wonder what that signifies. And the the white car that you're driving, it, have you did you drive that in real life? The car? Yes, I did. Yeah, it was a car that I it was a car that I had owned. Was it your first car? Or what's the significance of this car? It it was the first car that I bought. Okay. So not the first car that I drove, but the first car that was really mine. Cool. I wonder if there's symbolism there, like symbolizing that, you know, you made the choice to own that car. You took the responsibility for everything about the car. And now I wonder, I just wonder what it's indicative of, you know, maybe the out of control going backwards. It's just very, it's interesting. Nice dream. When was the last time you had <laughs> You said not, not recently. No, not recently. Good. You're in control of things. That sounds good. <laughs> sounds like I, don't, no, I don't know if that's true. But um, yeah, no, I haven't had it in a while. I'm, watch, I'm going to have it soon. <laughs> now that we're talking about it. Wait, next time you have it and we're chatting, you have to know. Okay. What's your biggest pet peeve? Hmm. My biggest pet peeve. Oh, I know. Cyclists. Cyclists. I can't stand cyclists and you know the thing is i don't mind someone that's on a bicycle having a great time going for a cycle obeying the rules and the rules of the cycle is stay in your own lane you know if there's a dedicated <laughs> cycle lane and you're not in it then i will i get so frustrated i'm not an angry driver by any means i actually sometimes enjoy driving but the roads in cape town are not necessary so most of them are not made for cyclists and these are the roads that are the most scenic so there's this beautiful road all the way up to a place called chapman's peak and you go through the coast and it's and it's an absolutely stunning drive i have run on the, the opposite side of the road but i'm guessing that cyclists don't want to do that because they want to really immerse themselves in the i'm on the road experience which is annoying because then i have to immerse myself in the i i might be responsible for murdering one of these people experiences which i'd rather not have and the worst thing about these cyclists is their attitude and we're really feeling very worked up <laughs> you're just driving you're just minding your own business i and i'm in a and like also the food chain of the road right I'm pretty sure that cyclists are very near the bottom of this food chain, right? Like car can kill cyclists super easily. But I, but, but this, I feel like the mind of a cyclist just, they, I feel like they're driving, they think they're, they're driving this massive, it's almost, you know, when you, you have a little, like a tiny dog, like a pug in like an Alsatian and the pug thinks it can take the Alsatian and they're having this, nah, nah, nah. it's kind of like that, the cyclist and the car, you know? A cyclist thinks he can do what he wants, which is very frustrating to me because if anything happens, I'm responsible. And yeah, I would say that's, that's probably my favorite. But I really, look, I don't mind cyclists generally. I'm sure they're lovely people, you know, and it, being a cyclist doesn't define you. I have a bike myself and I cycle uh, for enjoyment. So, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. But yeah, that's definitely my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> Do your cyclists wear the outfits like they're in the Tour de France? They do. Yeah. Yes. We have yeah. Um, the same problem here. Okay. We call them Lance Armstrongs. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I um do you do you guys have share the road? What does that mean? You're supposed to as a driver of a vehicle share the road with the cyclist. We do not have that. Well, it's not official or anything if we do. A lot of roads around here will have the designated lane for them, but a lot don't and I understand I'm supposed to share the road. But it really frustrates me when I have to share the road when there is not a designated lane and Mm -hmm. they are in the lane that I am driving in and they are going significantly slower than the car should. And now you backed up traffic and now I have to. (laughs) Yeah. You can't overtake a cyclist. No, you have to wait for the opportunity to go around them. But if you're on like a windy, narrow country or country-ish road you can't really do that um i hear you yeah it's it's tough out there man (laughs) and you know i feel like these cyclists oh they just (laughs) i'm driving i see them and i see them in their coffee shops with their bicycles parked outside and they're not socially distancing and they're not wearing masks and i think to myself yeah Mm. cyclists you know, they're just the worst. <laughs> On the, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, let's see. It's funny, I also had a question similar to that. I was going to ask you, does anything bug you that you wish didn't? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I would say probably a lot of things, but um, the most topical is the sound of people eating really more specifically my husband (laughs) (laughs) just i i love him to death he is a wonderful human being but my guy when he drinks his coffee in the morning like that i can't i can't i can't and did you only notice this or have you always been aware of his noisy eating Oh, I've I've always been aware of it. And we actually used to get into fights because I would say something. I shouldn't say I would say something because that makes me sound like a good person. I would get so... I I would build up to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. I'd snap. And then he's like, I'm just trying to enjoy my coffee. Why don't you just leave me alone? And then I'm the bad person, which I am in that situation because I've yelled at him for drinking his coffee. Um, so now I work really, really hard to, to, even though it really bugs me, I just don't say anything. Fascinating. Cause you know, there's a word to describe people like you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think we might've spoken about ASMR, which is autonomous sensory meridian response. And it's these videos of people that create sounds to specifically trigger relaxation. And a lot of people do experience this. And one of the, so there's various forms of it, but one of the forms is people eating or drinking and the sounds of that relax people. I'm, I don't personally identify with that. Um, other sounds, yes. But it's interesting because you get people that really love it and get triggered by relaxation by hearing these sounds. And other people, like, like you're looking at your face right now, you're just horrified. <laughs> you would hate it. It's just like 30 minutes of someone just like, ah, and people just going, yeah, I'm ready for bed now. So relaxed. 
I I get the I get the relaxation thing from sounds like the sounds mm. of the ocean crashing against the shore, the sounds yeah. of the birds or the crickets in the summer. But people eating? Yeah. That would send me into a complete rage. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine like someone creating a playlist for you. Oh my God. It's just multiple tracks of people eating different foods. And you're just getting progressively angry and angry. Got that? Yeah, that sound. That is not a relaxing sound at all. <laughs> no, but it was better than people eating, so it's okay. Okay, great. Would you say that that would relax you way more? Yeah, I think. I think. I think it might. <laughs> I think the. I think the sound of things crashing might get a little irritating after a while but i don't think that it would send me into quite a state like the sounds of people eating or drinking (laughs) there okay okay i'm gonna ask a different type of question perfect what is in your opinion the weirdest thing about america or americans oh okay the weirdest thing I think, I don't know if it's the weirdest thing, but I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated by the fact that American portion sizes for food are so extreme. And like, actually, it's not just food. I feel like, oh, I want to say everything, but it's not everything. With America, it's, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of different attributes to it that are always larger than life. Like, I feel in America, you can't just go to the grocery store and pick out, like, between two different types of milk. It's like there's 15 different types of like full cream milk. And then there's like 16 different types of like, I don't know, half and half, you know, like everything is bigger and better as they say. And you, know, you can't, can't just go to a bookstore. It has to be this like fully immersive experience with like books that are bigger than the size of your face. And you know, it's always something, something different, but definitely the food portion sizes amaze me that when I, when I was there, um, and I did the touristy New York visit, of course. And you know, you can't just get a slice of pizza. Pizza, it's like, nope. They call it a pie because it's massive and it's just, it's super cheap, and that's that's what it is. And you know, you go for a coffee, and you're like, what size are you like? I don't know. Just give me a regular size coffee, and the coffee is the regular size is bigger than the biggest coffee we have in South Africa. So I think it's interesting to me that on that type of scale and in America, everything is just so much more exaggerated. I think like your, like even your political system is just, um, I don't want to say ridiculous, which maybe it is, maybe it is, but it's, oh, no, it's, you can say ridiculous. <laughs> it's certainly entertaining. I think it's, it's very dramatic. Everything. Like when I, when I think of the definitions of like theater or theatrics, I think synonymous with America or Americanization. Oh, that's such an interesting hot take. On hot top, take. Hot, wait, no, I was going to say hot take on hot topics. Hot take <laughs> on hard topics. <laughs> like it. <laughs> I think it's great. Good question. Um, hmm. I'm going to ask you something a bit more intimate. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, I'm glad you're sitting down. Otherwise, I've said 
maybe you should sit down for this. Oh. <laughs> what has been something that was hard for you to walk away from? Okay, so I would say this is a hard this is a hard question. Hard yeah. questions on hard topics. Hard questions. Do you do you <laughs> want ask, do you want to segue into something else while you think about it? Or do you think No, no, I can answer. I can answer. Um I think hey, that yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer. So I think, you know, obviously there's been friendships and relationships and jobs and even moving and you know that have happened but I think probably the, the most difficult is with letting go of I'm trying to think of how to phrase this so I struggled with I'm not going to call it an eating disorder I'm going to say disordered eating okay for a while and I became very obsessed with like clean eating and not like read every label and stopped eating gluten, even though I don't have a gluten issue and um, was very, <laughs> was Fix very, it. yeah, fixated, but also very judgy towards myself, but also towards others. Like I put myself on this like moral high ground that somehow my eating this clean food made me a better person than the person that was just eating whatever the hell they wanted. And it uh, obviously was not healthy, even though I looked good. And people, Did you feel good? At the time? I mean, physically, right? Like I was in really good shape. I was, I wasn't ever like skinny, but I, definitely like was at a smaller size and people praised me for that and they praised me for my willpower right this whole concept of willpower yeah. but mentally very unhealthy very unhealthy the obsession like took over like anytime we would go out to dinner or go to happy hour with friends i would obsess about what i was going to have and then having to make up for it and then if we went to happy hour we had to be home early because then i had to get up and go to the gym so like mentally a disaster it caused like yeah. a lot of anxiety a lot of like ocd just because i was so obsessed with what I looked like and making sure I got my workout in and making sure every workout I like really pushed myself. And so I actually think that walking away from that um, yeah. has been really hard and like allowing myself rest, allowing myself to allow foods back into my life that I had decided, you know, were bad and removing the guilt yeah. or, and removing the um, like, removing the moral code on certain types of food like ice cream's not bad and kale's not good it's just food yeah and anything you have and it's all about moderation and yeah all of that but that must have been do you think and feel free to say pass but do you think um there was a definitive moment where you were like yeah this is actually a problem and i need to change my ways or did someone would did someone like throw you an intervention with a banner and everything how did that happen i would say there was a definitive moment but i don't think that it was like it was like no one stage intervention because you wouldn't look like i wasn't that's why i don't say i have any i had an eating disorder i wasn't bulimic i was not anorexic skinny so you wouldn't yeah. look at me you would actually look at me and say oh hey you're doing great and that messed with me even more because well, um, it just oh i'm doing you're getting all of this positive reinforcement 
Yeah. Um, I think that I, because my anxiety was so bad, um, and I would start like sort of having my like, panic attacks and then I would cause fights with Seamus and I, because I would get into this like spiral Yeah. that I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then I went on for a while without, without living like that, but also still living like that. It was like half in, half out. Yeah. Um, and then I hurt my back. Right. And it forced me, it forced me to stop. Hard topic hard topic how do you follow the question from that (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know it's my turn (laughs) like thank you for sharing that that's a hard topic what scares you what scares me Hmm. there's a few things that scare me what scares me the most i want to say failure because i really am genuinely terrified of of failing and that kind of there's like a theme there like failing to do the right thing um or like really terrified that i'm gonna do something wrong and not necessarily because i'm gonna get in trouble but that it's good like basically just making making mistakes i think is something that i'm really really scared to do which which seems really silly because you know, the best way to learn and the, the best way to grow or, you know, um, just improve yourself is, is by making mistakes and, and doing the wrong thing in inverted commas. But that feeling of failure doesn't feel, <laughs> doesn't feel good for me. And I'm, I am genuinely, you know, terrified of it because I think, you know, I, I hold myself to a much higher standard than I hold my closest friends, which is I, like, I'm very hard on myself is what people often tell me. And that, that probably links to that, that big fear. And, you know, I, I definitely look to certain people and I, and I think to myself, wow, they're, they're really successful. And I think how, how do I define what success looks like and, and how do I deal with, with what, what happens if I don't reach um, success, you know, and just that, that fear of not being able to get to where I want to go, even though right now I'm not entirely sure what that looks like, um, is, is difficult for me to deal with. So yeah, that's what it is for me. I can 100% really. Yeah. People also think... tell me that I'm very hard on myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like your own worst enemy type of thing. Oh yeah. I'm definitely my, my best, I'm my own best friend and my own worst enemy in one, which is really fitting because I'm a Gemini. So (laughs) if if there's any listeners out there that believe in astrology, you know, here's, here's the bit for you. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely relate to that. So, but it's, it's really tough. And you know, it's taken me a long time to, and I'm still figuring out, you know, when people have said the following phrase to you when they're like, you're being so hard on yourself. You need to just take some time to be kind to yourself. And then I say, thank you so much. I I will go away and be kind to myself. And then I sit in my room and I, and I think what on earth was that person talking about? What does it mean to be kind to yourself? Does that mean, you know, does that mean sending yourself to the spa for a weekend? Does that mean, you know, sleeping in a little bit later, not going to the, what, what does that look like? And I still struggle to like with that concept. And 
I definitely see it in, in ways of, you know, maybe, maybe you relate to this where you, where you do something and you think, oh, it's not, what I've done is not good enough. I need to redo that. And maybe being kind to yourself is saying, no, actually I did a good job or whatever. Um, Yeah. I think that sort of relates to this whole topic of self-care and what does self-care really mean? And, you know, the, the trendy self-care movement, like face masks and whatever, like maybe that's not really what self-care is meant to be. Yeah. And I think that it's very easy for someone to say, oh, just be kind to yourself. But I wonder if you were to ask the person that person or persons that, that say that if they could actually give you an answer as to what that, what that, what what that they means. mean by saying that. But something that I've worked with my therapist on um, because I do have anxiety is removing judgment from things. So not, not just like myself or others, but from situations and working on the acceptance of things. So maybe being kind to yourself in a situation where maybe something didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, or you were, you know, a little disappointed in the result. It's just saying, listen, I tried. This is it. Like, it is what it is. I'll try again next time. Yeah. My friend has a a way, she has a word that she uses with me quite often where she says, it's about grace. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, often you kind of want to, I love using metaphors to describe things because that's how I understand concepts in my brain. But it's sort of, have you ever spoken to someone who's been a lifeguard and they tell you that if you're ever drowning, God forbid, but if you're ever in the water and you're drowning, the worst thing you can do is like thrash and fight and kind of just be calm and let the waves take you to shore and because you also conserve your energy that way. And that's what I understand when when I hear her say, embrace embrace the grace, you know, and... (laughs) you know, something bad happens or it, like you said, something doesn't work out the way that you planned it to go. And you just, instead of what, what that would be like, you fighting it or, you know, whatever the, that looks like for you, just kind of go, okay, this is, this happened. I can try again or I can try a different ways. I think that's, I like that, you know? Yeah. It's definitely not easy. It's also not like, oh, I'm just going to tell myself that I'm going to embrace the grace and then I'm going to embrace the grace. Like it's something that you have to actively consciously work on like every single day or every time a situation comes up that would require that. And you have to use your energy <laughs> to <laughs> actively do that. You know what I mean? I agree. Nice. Hard topics. Hard topics, hard topics with Kylie and Christine. <laughs> you have a nice singing voice. I do. Yeah. I think it's just the crackling of the sound waves, but I'll, I'll take a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Embrace the grace here on Embrace. Hard Topics. Thank you. 